FM Breakfast Show with the double L team, Lyle and Lawson. We want to welcome everybody listening across the Faith FM network, particularly those in Albury this morning, listening on 88, Adair in Queensland, that's Albury, New South Wales, Adair in Queensland, 87.8, and Portland, Victoria on 88. So special shout out to those listeners this morning. Mm-hmm. May you be blessed by The Breakfast Show. Lawson, have you been blessed over the last day? I I have. That is, I've been, that is awesome. I've been really blessed. I've just been, you know, just get it done. I actually, I had an amazing meeting last night, and usually meetings aren't really that amazing. Uh, but I had a really, really good meeting last night with a bunch of people from the church that I attend. It was specifically the ASOC group, so that's our on-campus group who meets together and runs all kinds of events to reach people with the message of Christ on at Newcastle University. So we got together and we were like, okay, so what do we want to do for this semester? You know, what, what, what do we want to achieve? And, uh, yeah, it was really awesome. So I got together with a bunch of uh, pastors yesterday. Oh, you we had an too. amazing home cooked meal. It was incredible. Wow! Producer, producer Shell was cooking. Wow! And it was just the it was a really nice time. My meeting but was on we nearly Zoom. Got, we nearly got flooded in. Really? Yeah. It's like you nearly got island. Well, the water came up by like a meter while we were having our meeting. Uh huh. And so by the time we finished our meeting, the water was just kind of lapping the edge of the road. Hmm. But but you're able to speed we, out we of drove, there. We drove out. Ah, nice, nice. Yes. Well, your little Suzuki Alto, I'm pretty sure it could have got out of there. Oh, anyway. absolutely. Even if the just... water was above the roof, you just... Nah, I just float. <laughs> That's right. Just float. Those, <laughs> just keep, keep those front wheels spinning. They'll paddle their way through. No problem at all. <laughs> you're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. For those of us who are not flooded out, let's... Uh, Count our blessings today. Lawson, let's jump in with another with a question for our quiz. Not another one. Well, the, the first, first one, one for first today. One today. Another one for this week. That's right. Why did God tell Noah he was to take birds by seven? So that's kind of a another another flood related question here. Uh, but zero okay. zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text. Shell's getting a bit cheeky with the quiz, trying to make it all topical. The songs as well, if you just heard showers of blessings. And we're just we're just really we just really got the thing going. We've got Psalms nineteen coming up. Is that about floods? Maybe. It's not. It's not. I'm disappointed. But I'm looking outside. It's still, oh, but we've got still um, raining. We've got one uh, coming up. Acapella. Uh, uh, Acapella. Ridge. Coming up, which is called Master the Tempest is Raging. Ah, okay, there you That's go. That's very topical for the storm that is raging <laughs> off of our coast right now, and particularly for the bulk carrier that is stranded off the uh, coast of New South Wales, just between Sydney and Wollongong. Really? Yes. Like, stranded, is? did it run aground? No, it broke down. They've dropped anchor. They were dragging the anchor chain. They've been able to use three tugs to move it. Uh-huh. Uh, they've broken numerous tow ropes in an attempt to move it, but they have now <laughs> moved it to a point where it is a little bit more sheltered and nice. the anchors are holding for the time being. Oh, dude, I with remember. tugs on standby. I was, how old was I when the Pasha Bolka happened? I would have been, I think that was 2007, so I would have been like nine. Well, you, were, you weren't around. Then. I was in Sydney. You're in Sydney. Dude, I remember the next morning we jumped in my dad's land cruiser and we drove through all the flood flooded out streets and we went to Newcastle Beach and we saw the Pasha Bolka and it's like, it was crazy. For those who don't know what that is, it was a boat, it was a big old ship ship yeah. that that ran aground on Nobby's Beach. She was a bulk carrier too from memory. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's right, that's right. And I had friends, who, uh, we had like family friends who were part of the SES team, like 
collecting all the people from the boat, like going in by helicopter was like really cool. But, uh, well, I'm sure it was bad for business for that, <laughs> that area. But uh, for all of us, it, and it kind of ruined the surf at the beach as well. But for all of us who were watching it, it was kind of cool. Anyways, hey, let's have a look at our prizes for this week, which is I have two books here, Cook 30.2 and Nine Habits for Healthy Christians. Both of these are amazing books, specifically Cook 30.2. It's written by Jeremy Dixon, and it is a healthy cookbook and all the meals can be made in within 30 minutes from absolute scratch and if you like you know get this book you'll be able to make let's see here if you want to make let's see ooh, thai tofu kebabs oh, i think i already talked about that one maybe if you want to make moroccan carrot salad both of those things sound amazing and it's just a few of the recipes in this book that you can make within 30 minutes zero four nine one zero six four actually let me see Say this a little bit slower. 0491-064-669. That is the number to call or text. And if you call and text that number and answer the question correctly, you will go in the draw. Again, that question was, why did God tell Noah he was to take the birds by seven? Okay, if you know the answers, you know the number to call. Let's have some positively different news. So I've been doing some some research. I've been having a look at, at machine learning, Lyle. Do you know about machine learning? As in uh, artificial intelligence? So there's a little bit of a difference, okay? Artificial intelligence is something where you you punch in a bunch of parameters and then it operates within those parameters to complete tasks. Yes. Machine learning is where you punch in parameters and then the machine expands those parameters by themselves. Right. So it essentially learns things. So it becomes sentient? It's kind of creepy. Like, and, uh, well, there was specific talk amongst the, the Google Lambda machine in, uh, the machine learning that they had created that it started saying things on, like, in interviews. People would interview this machine and it would say things like, please don't turn me off. That's like dying for me. And people were like, did we create sentient life? Which, by the way, like... No, there's I, just some programmer back there just having a joke. No, 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 no. Like, it, 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 like, they explained it by saying, like, hey, look, you know, it's reacting a way human would in, in a text form because we punch so many, like, I think it was like 1.56 trillion lines of dialogue into this thing. And so it's like, okay, it has this problem. Like, it's learned that death is a bad thing. And how do I stop death? Well, I'm a computer. So what, what causes my death? Being unplugged. Like, this is what it's learned. But does that mean it's sentient? For me, I'm like, no. No, I'm a I'm a unplugged. Because I would, thing. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if any computer tells me don't shut me off because I don't want to die, I'll be like, pull the plug. Goodbye. Um, but this, so there's been some interesting machine learning and uh, experiments in regards to basically like vis- visual stimulus and photos and art because they want to know like, okay, like we can get an AI to do lots of complex math problems, uh, but can we get machine learning to identify? art and have you know some kind of like be in touch with creativity in some kind of way and maybe you guys saw all the memes and all the photos from the last couple of weeks i think it was it started about a month ago there was this machine learning program release called dell e and it basically you typed in certain keywords and then it would come up with pictures related to that so you could write like barack obama playing basketball against abraham lincoln and then okay. it would it would create photos of it that were like 
accurate. And it was really funny because people were just typing in like all kinds of wild things. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, like, and it was, it was really messy. It was like, it, it, yeah, that's right. The, like people typing in like, like Donald Trump building the Egyptian pyramids, like stuff like that. It was super funny. Uh, but I have this one story here that's about how machine learning, how they've been trying to understand human dreaming better by using machine learning. And so what they do, okay, so they put the, the machine in a state of wakefulness, all right? And what, what it means by wakefulness is like the machine is on, it's operating at like 100%, and they start feeding it visual stimuli. So pictures of boats, pictures of flowers, pictures of lakes, pictures of mountains, all kinds of things like that. And then they put it into a state of sleep. Now, researchers know when we sleep, we have different stages of sleep. And the specific stage of sleep where we dream is what we call REM or rapid rapid eye movement mm-hmm. sleep. It's like the deepest sleep and, and then we start to dream. So what they started to do with this machine learning is that they like put it in a state of non-REM sleep, which is essentially like they turned off the visual stimuli and they turned off like the, the guess the creative parts, like, you know, to create or generate any new parameters or code. And, but it's still kind of alive and working. And yeah, it just, it just chilled out. Then what they did is they, to simulate REM sleep, they took this machine and they put it in a, in a, in a situation where it, they weren't feeding it new visual stimuli, but they were getting it to reflect on visual stimuli that already existed within it, you know, that it had already learned about in this kind of... They were trying to simulate REM sleep. It's like, okay, you already have visual stimuli. You're not at interacting with anything else. The creative function in your brain is working. What will come out? Mm-hmm. And essentially, it started to dream like we dream. And what I mean by that, okay, think about the dreams that you have. So when I dream, right, it's just a bunch of situations and scenarios that I'm familiar with, with a bunch of people that that I'm familiar with, just thrown together into one scenario, right? There's a bunch of people from all different parts of my life. It'll be like my parents, childhood friends, church friends, then thrown into a situation where none of them should be, but I'm somewhat experienced or familiar with. And then bam, like all of a sudden you have a dream and it means absolutely nothing. Like it's just so random. It's just everything that you've learned just chucked into and spliced into one experience, the machine started doing that. So all of the pictures that it had seen of like boats and flowers and stuff, it then started to create like flower boats and like on top of the mountain that it had seen, it would put a car up there that it had seen in some more visual stimuli. It just started chucking things together. So is this, is this a computer that is dreaming or is this a computer that is just melting down? Well, it's, no, it's not it melting. It sounds like to it's me like a computer melting that's down. Like it's it's reflecting on the stimuli on that it's already have, and then it's just organizing it into really weird Random ways. Weird right? Ways. Exactly what our brain does. And ultimately, like the scientists who conducted these experiments, their conclusion is like, well, our, our brain kind of works in a similar way. What your brain is do- doing when it's dreaming is it's just kind of organizing and misorganizing in a creative way things that you know and understand. And that's what they saw. Like machine learning had the ability to do that as well. So it was just really, really interesting. Maybe, maybe you're interested in this. If you have any thoughts, 0491-064-669. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. 
And it's time for more serious news. But before we get to more serious news, we have another clue for our quiz. Again, very, very topical, very on point with the flood. That's oh, the music this morning is just going off. And also the question as well. Okay, why did Elijah tell Ahab to get up and to eat and drink? If you know the answer to that one, it's kind of related to our situation here on the East Coast. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. And, of course, you will go into the draw to win Cook 30.2 and Nine Habits for Healthy Christians. Both of these books will be a blessing to your life. They'll enable you to live healthier and happier and to eat tasty food. But, again, that number was 0491-064-669. And that question was, why did Elijah tell Ahab to get up and to eat and drink. All right, machine learning. Uh, Raphael has to say, uh, <laughs> AI, artificial intelligence, from all the presentations I have watched over the years, many of the scientists working on it are actually very afraid of its capabilities. We tend to forget that Satan will use it for himself, as he has with most things. That is absolutely true. Whenever something good comes along, Satan's always going to try and twist it to be used for evil, particularly with technology we have noticed. Mm. All right, so let's talk about the floods. Of course, anywhere on the east coast of Australia right now, uh, you are noticing there's a lot of rain, particularly if you're in the Newcastle, Sydney region. We've just been absolutely copping it. Uh, the Hunter Valley's been copping it overnight. Singleton's starting to go under. Wollombi is kind of way under. Mm. They've broken a whole bunch of records up there with how deep the flood waters are. Uh, 50,000 people have been displaced so far. And one person commented, you know, it happened in 1986 and then it happened in 1988. Then it didn't happen for 28 years, and so 2016 it happened, and 2020 it happened, and now it's happened four times this year. Mm. And you just look at that on a graph, and that's a pretty steep J-curve mm-hmm. right there, mm-hmm. which makes you have to stop and ask a couple of things. You know, because what the, what the authorities are saying is, if you were safe in 2021, 20, do not assume that you will be safe tonight. Mm. So there's been more than 100 flood rescues. Uh, there have been more than 3,000 requests for emergency. Uh, thankfully, they do believe that now the worst is over, although the floodwaters will stay around for quite a lot of time yet as they start to recede. But we've got to stop and think about this because when we look at the signs of the times, the key issue with the signs of the times is not that there will be disasters because there has always been disasters. The key issue of the signs of the times is that those disasters will be like birth pains or labour pains when a woman goes into labour. And uh, what happens in that scenario is that they start off mild, they start off far apart, they get closer together and they get stronger and they go up in a J-curve that takes you through pain to a special event. Mm. And we have to ask ourselves the question, are we seeing natural disasters J-curving? Yes. When Sydney's gone under four times this year already Mm -hmm. and we have records, like we have a one in 2,000 year flood up in Lismore and so forth, Mm. you have to actually stop and say, wait, what's going on? What's going on here? Mm. Now, let's read what the Bible says, because one of the challenges that we find, and, and, and particularly I find, is that people will often mix their politics with their religion. Mm. And so they will t- choose, a, particularly in today's polarized world, where everybody has a political persuasion that they are firmly attached to, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, that wasn't the case because social media wasn't driving it like it is right now. And yeah, everybody had their opinions, but they weren't, you know, Die hard, 
this is how I identify as they are now. But what we need to be aware of is if you attach yourself to the left or if you attach yourself to the right, we need to be aware of not accepting everything that the left says, not accepting everything that right says, bringing everything to the test of God's word. Mm. So let's see what the Bible says in relationship to our world at the end of time. In Revelation chapter 11 and verse 18, the Bible says the nations were angry and your wrath is come, the time of the dead, dead that they should be judged. Okay, so what should our expectation be at the end of time? Our expectation should be that there would be anger amongst the nations. Mm. It's not hard to see in our world right now. Our world is a tinderbox, a political tinderbox, throw the wrong spark in the wrong place, and it's going to literally explode. Mm. Then you've, it continues on uh, that they should be judged. You should ju- give reward to your servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and those that fear your name, small and great. And then this interesting line right here, it says, and should destroy those which destroy the earth. Mm. And this is the challenge that I have because people would say that, you know, I lean towards the right, and so they would assume, well, you know, uh, you know, Climate change is not a thing. It's not being driven by CO2. It's not human. It's not man-made. I think the evidence is very clear that there is climate change taking place, but that's not what's really important here. The Bible says Mm. that the earth, the environment, will be destroyed at the end of time and that it will be destroyed by human beings, by human interference. Wow. That's absolutely crystal clear from Scripture. That is our expectation. If that, if there was no evidence for that right now, if there was no evidence anywhere in the world that our environment, our earth, was being destroyed by human beings, then uh, Jesus wouldn't be coming soon because this prophecy wouldn't be being fulfilled. Yeah, and we lived for thousands of years where that wasn't the case. That's right. This is the only generation that has had the capability of doing this, mm. and they're doing it very, very effectively. Mm. So let's take our politics out of our religion and bring our religion, bring our, bring, bring the word of God, bring our, bring the Bible to our politics, not the other way round. Mm. Okay, so looking at other issues from uh, around the world, we talked about the dollar rejects tithe. Yeah, what? That's pretty cryptic right there. So one of the major prosperity gospel preachers in the United States oh, is yeah, a man okay. by I the know. name of Creflo Dollar. It's a pretty appropriate name if you want to become a prosperity preacher, right? <laughs> That's I just looked up and I'm like, was this really his name or did he adopt that name? Mm-hmm. Seems it's like a, it was really his name. It's a stage name. No, it's not a stage name. It seems to be that that's actually mm. the guy's name. Mm-hmm. And for his entire life he's been preaching, or his entire ministry he's been preaching the principle of tithe, which is mm. biblical. But when prosperity gospel preachers preach tithe, they preach it very, very differently to how the Bible presents tithe. Mm. And the difference is that they all point out that tithe is a sign of the prosperity, that prosperity is a sign of God's blessing. Mm. And the way that you receive prosperity is by giving to them. Mm. And they will say, I am prosperous. This is a sign of God's blessing upon my ministry. And therefore, if you give to me, then you'll be prosperous like me because I am prosperous and God has blessed me. Well, they are prosperous because you've given them everything and you've got nothing left. Mm. Uh, so they teach, you know, God is all about giving prosperity to, to people who return tithe. The, the concept behind this is literally an appeal to the flesh. Yeah. If you give God something, 
God will give you more. Mm. And human beings are naturally greedy and selfish, and we are naturally attracted to this kind of thing, which is why these guys become incredibly successful in their prosperity gospel preaching. It almost sounds like a like a, a stock scam, like a, a stock or investment scam, like Ponzi oh, yeah. scheme, essentially. Absolutely. Like, oh, yeah, if you put your money in here, then I'll, you'll give it, I'll give it back to you, no work. Like, that, that's a Ponzi scheme. That's exactly how it goes, and they're making God look like he's running a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, that's right. Ugh. It's an absolute tragedy. Yikes. And, of course, all right, well, what happens if you don't have prosperity? What does that mean? Under this doctrine, it means that you are far from God. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what the Pharisees were teaching in the time of Jesus. So true. It is identical to what the Pharisees were teaching in the time of Jesus, and it's what Jesus rejected. How wealthy was Jesus? What did he own? One piece of basically a bedsheet. Yeah. That's it. All right. So Creflo Dollar has just come out and said that we should throw away all of the books and videos that he ever wrote on the subject of tithe and has rejected tithe and said this is an Old Testament concept and has literally thrown the baby out with the bathwater. Okay, but, f- but for, for what reason? Re- okay, because he now says that tithe is not a law, it's a place to start. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, so you should stop tithing yes, because you because should it's not enough. more than tithe. Because it's not enough. What a boss, honestly. Yeah, like that like what a hustler, bro. I mean this guy this is a guy that lives a lavish lifestyle. He has a fleet of Rolls Royces, he has his own private jet, he owns a couple of uh he owns two five million dollar homes. Yeah, his his um, net worth. He has never to... he has never disclosed his his income. He has never been audited. He has never allowed auditors anywhere near his books. Wow. Yeah. That's dodgy to the max. Mm. Anyway, we need to have wisdom in these last days. It's important to have wisdom, so let's do that. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Let's have another question. Yes. Okay, our next question. In Deuteronomy 28, God lays out a bunch of curses that will befall those who turn away from him. What does he say he will make the rain of their land turn into? So, guys, we have a reference there, Deuteronomy 28. We just want to encourage you, you know, if if you're struggling a little bit with the questions, if you're, if you're like, familiar with the Bible, if you're a regular church attender, so you go to church every week, we encourage you to, to try, try and answer these questions without looking at the Bible, test your memory. Um, but if not, yeah, we encourage you also to head to the Bible. We've got a reference right here, Deuteronomy 28. So 0491 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. If you do, you will go into the draw to win nine habits for healthy Christians, as well as Cook 30.2, which are amazing books that will make your life happier and healthier and more blessed. Yes, absolutely. But, but again, that question was, in Deuteronomy 28, God lays out a bunch of curses that will befall those who turn away from him. What does he say he will make the rain of their land turn into? 0491-064-669. Okay, so it is Wednesday, so that means we have Jennifer Skews joining us on the phone this morning to talk about emotional health. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's uh Good to be here today. So, Jennifer, you had a lot of floods up your way a little while ago. We're now copping it down our end of the state. It just kind of doesn't seem to stop, does it? No, it, it's raining up here, but not like it was. 
Um, but I've heard that you've got some awful flooding down your way. So I hope yes. you're not affected by it. A well, lot of people will be. A, mm. lot of, a lot of people are, and we need to keep them mm. in our prayers this morning. Jennifer, where, where are we picking up our subject today? Um, well, under the circumstances, um, I was going to talk about rewiring the brain, but also um, maybe in the face of trauma with flooding, I don't know if you have any questions of, about that or what. I don't know what um, people are going through at the moment, whether they're out of their homes or so maybe you can just give me a bit of info there. Yeah, so sure, for people that are in evacuation centres and we've got, I think, uh, the, the news that I saw, the report was I saw, we've got 50,000 people that are currently displaced, which is a fair chunk. A lot, of those people will be, a lot of those people will be couch surfing with friends and relatives. A lot of them will be in evacuation centres. They're going to be having some, um, some pretty grim thoughts. Uh, and, of course, in Sydney you've got suburbs that are now being flooded for the fourth time this oh, year. Yes. Hmm. Which is highly traumatic and it's uh, certainly something that the basic skills at the moment um, when you're in crises um, you don't think to do things, but I think the biggest thing is having supports and feeling safe because when you're in a trauma, if you don't feel safe and what you do afterwards is very powerful. Um, and fortunately in Australia, we do have a lot of support and caring people. And when things, when the flooding stops, usually our country rallies forth with supports, clothing, furniture, um, we seem to be in a land of plenty, so maybe people can remember that there is recovery afterwards, um, which is, I think, thinking in those terms instead of fearing is um, a better way to go, but I know how hard that can be. Okay, so I, I interviewed, and I've spoken about this a couple of times this week already, but I interviewed um, Paul Esau from Asian Aid earlier in the week. Of course, they're dealing with um, massive floods in Bangladesh. They've lost seven of their schools over there as a result of those floods. The difference there, of course, is that while we have people in evacuation centres and couch surfing and so forth uh, worried about their future, they are underneath a roof, whereas in Bangladesh um, yeah, you've, no. got, you've got hundreds of thousands of people that are thankful to have a piece of tarp or a piece of plastic yeah. or a piece of tin to shelter under, you know, on the side of the road somewhere. Tell me, if we are dealing with... If we are dealing with loss here in Australia, let's say that you know, you're somebody who's in an evacuation centre right now, should this be a time that we actually stop to think about what is happening to our fellow human beings in Bangladesh or do we have enough on our plate already to like, just deal with what we're dealing with? Is, is there benefit in, in thinking about people who are less fortunate than us when we're in a time of crisis? Well, I find when you are in crisis, if you view it from the level of there are people who, like in Bangladesh, who have far less and are suffering great, greatly more. For some people, that really helps. For other people, it doesn't. But certainly when people are what we call other-focused or looking out or even in the crisis, you're busy helping others and looking to who you help instead of feeling sorry for yourself or you know, fearing for yourself, it does make a difference in how you deal with it and your recovery, um, if yeah. that makes sense. It does, mm. it does. And I think that, you know, becoming self-focused and self-absorbed seems to me to be a bit of a recipe for going down a, a dark rabbit hole. It is, because I guess that's a bit of what I was going to talk about this morning, um, because I was going to look at rewiring the brain, but also our time orientation. And when you're in the middle of a crisis, 
usually focused on what's going on at the moment. And one of the problems in recovery from some a trauma like this or a crisis is that we tend to take on board the trauma and lock it in and then spend time when it's over going over it and over it. And that's where we have problems in getting caught up in the drama, the trauma um, and what's going on. So is this, is this the kind of situation where somebody might lay awake at night just stewing on the trauma, playing it over and over and over in their mind, that kind of thing? Is that, is that the kind of thing that might take place? Absolutely. So that past time orientation when something's over and when people who do the best recovery are those that will focus in the present and do things like, oh, I've survived it, we've got help around us, which unfortunately some countries don't have that unless they get you know, people like Asian aid. But we have a lot of help and being grateful for what we have. And this comes also comes back to our relationship with God, which can only be in the present. So when we're caught up in what happened in the past and how awful it was and what we've lost, um, we can't really connect with God and we're going to feel very depressed and miserable in the present. And that's... Um, a major problem. We're wiring the brain in that way that we are now going to keep reliving that past trauma. Mm. Okay, so for somebody who's right in the middle of it right now and, you know, it mm-hmm. might be an evacuation centre, they might be couch surfing somewhere, um, wh- whatever it might be, staying with fr- friends, family, relatives and laying awake into the early hours of the morning, mm-hmm. stewing on the fact that their home is now underwater, is the insurance yeah. going to cover it? How long is it before all of that kicks into place? How long before they can rebuild? You know, all of this stuff that is going through their mind. Mm-hmm. How do you go about shutting that down and actually getting some sleep? It's a hard one because you're now projecting ahead and you're getting a lot of anxiety and that means you've got a lot of adrenaline and cortisol running in the system. And when you've got high adrenaline and cortisol, it's really difficult to get sleep. Mm. It's uh because it energizes you and the brain runs 100 miles an hour. So slowing down the adrenaline and cortisol is the way to go. And if you're going to stay lying in bed, and this, we, I think we've, we have talked about this before, slowing the heart rate down. Mm-hmm. So putting mm-hmm. the hand on the heart and really rubbing it and just trying to calm down the heart and doing some very slow, deep breathing, even breathing, focusing on the heart to calm it down. Um, and that way, what it does, it starts to let the adrenals stop flowing and it turns them off and it helps the body now to settle down and to refocus. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't get to sleep, if you can relax the body, turn off the adrenals and um, start to focus maybe on the fact you have survived and you have, you have got it somewhere to stay uh, and not project into the future because it's unknown. We don't know what's going to happen afterwards. Um, then you can often get rest or even go back to sleep. Um, people who love the Lord and pray and are grateful for uh, whatever's happening for them at that point um, often have more peace and are more able to rest. So um, our our orientation on self, internal or external, is powerful in settling us down as well. Mm. I like what you said there about prayer because you know, there's, mm. I guess there's been lots of ideas that have gone around about you know how to shut the thoughts off, how to calm down, mm. how to mm. how to go to mm. sleep. You know, 
and I, I, you think of the traditional ones like counting sheep and these kinds of things, but it seems to me that is there a better way to go to sleep than go to sleep while you are communicating with God? Oh, no better way. And even if you don't go fully to sleep, you seem to get the rest in peace. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. We seem to be getting these crises we need to keep dealing with. So we need to learn some skills to help us through it. Mm. Um, a story I read recently of a man in, I'm pretty sure it was World War II, and he was incarcerated um, and put in awful circumstances in a prison where he's completely confined. And he said he just kept reciting the Lord's Prayer. He just kept thinking about it, reciting it, and he knows he said that saved his sanity. So, and I find that if you're not sleeping, I've remembered the Lord's Prayer, and I find as I go through that, I go back to sleep. So things like that for people who do um, have good memories of things can do that. That's a, that's a really good that's a really good observation, and for people who you know you might be a person who's not a person of faith, it doesn't matter. Um, you can look up the Lord's Prayer, you can find it online. It's the most known one, the most remembered um, part of the Bible. Yes. Just commit it to memory. It won't take you long because you've probably heard Mm. it a million times over on TV shows and movies and all kinds of different places where there's crisis. You'll you'll often see it depicted. Mm. And just learn it so that you can repeat it to yourself just calmly, slowly, over and over again, Mm. and a great way to put yourself to sleep and a great way to connect with God as well. You might be surprised. If you are not a believer, you might be surprised about what happens when you start to pray. And this is where doing that calming, working from the body through the heart to the brain, and then doing that um, thinking on more positive things if you can, or do something like reciting the Lord's Prayer or having a prayer, but when you've calmed the body down, that will then help the brain to focus back in the present and get some rest. Yes. Okay, so when these times of crisis come, as they pass, of course there mm-hmm. is a tremendous amount of opportunity for people to be involved in helping others. There are. Um, um, and, and, and to me this would have to be one of the best cures for you know, any kind of depression is out there is to actually get out into the community and say, all right, what can I do? Who can I help? Find somebody who's cleaning out their house, struggling, whatever it might be, and just pitch in and help. Um, Yes, focus out of self again. And sure, you've still got to look after yourself and get your own home in order or wherever you'll be accommodating for a while. But to actually take the focus off your own sorrow or your own misery in the present and the best way to do that is to help others. Some people help the animals and pets who've been disadvantaged. Um, they might join a group to help. Um, but focusing out and giving something or helping someone, even just a kind word and um, you know, doing what you can to help people is so powerful in that recovery. And, and it, the people around you benefit and you get a lot of people doing that. And this is where in Australia... I find that we get that. In fact, there was an American woman here when we had our floods up here, and she said, I can't believe Australians. She said, whenever there's a crisis, I've not seen a country like it do this, where you rally forth and you just go in and help people and give and give. And it's true, we do. And that's part of recovery. It's a very powerful way. We need to be part of that giving. 
I think, I think we should never underestimate the power of giving, uh, particularly our time and our energy in volunteering because it's not only good, just good for our own mental health, but when our mental health is affected, it affects the psyche of the nation. You know, as Australia, Australia is a positive looking nation in many respects. Uh, com- if we compare ourselves to other nations, you know, we have a, an mm-hmm. optimism that a lot of other nations don't have. And I see that being driven by a culture of pitching in and helping out when crisis oh, comes. So true. And, and this is where mental health isn't some magic pill. It's not some wonderful thing we have to go through to sort it out. It's this, these sorts of time orientations and the beliefs and attitudes we have and what we do with our life is a way, powerful way for mental health to improve. Um, where your focus is is how you're going to be. Mm, mm. Absolutely. Jennifer, thank you so much for talking to us this morning. We are in times of crisis here again. It seems like, well, that is the new normal, and it's, we should expect it to be the new normal as the return of Christ approaches, that we just move from one crisis to the next, and it is so good to have Really good information how to deal with those. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.